Hello and welcome to Girls Gone Canon Reads A Song of Ice and Fire, episode 204, Arya 7 in A Clash of Kings featuring special guest San Rixian. I am one of your hosts, Chloe. And I am another one of your hosts, Eliana. And yes, are you ready for San Rixian, one of our very good friends? So happy to have her here for this episode. Thank you so much for coming. Again, this Always. is take two. <laughs> take two. What did you say? We're groundhogging being this shit? <laughs> yeah, we're groundhogging this, yeah. <laughs> no, we're groundhogging. That's what it is now. Weasel no. constantly. Weaseling it? Maybe. Maybe. Mallory, thank you for joining us. We'll we'll come back in a second to talk about the artistry, the lore, everything about the legend. Uh, but first, this <laughs> month, your Patreon episode for patrons. In that stranger tier and above, patreon.com slash girlsgonecanon, five bucks and up tier for October 2023. I'm really actually very excited about this bonus episode. Sometimes Eliana gives these ideas out and sometimes I have to grin and bear it. But this one, I was like, actually, yeah, Eliana, I like the name of that one. Uh, I just like to make her happy. (laughs) Yeah, sometimes I just say no. I just say no. But this one, I I, sometimes I come around, though. I'm pretty, I can be convinced. So... Mm -hmm. The house that went away, and I'm becoming like more into it. I'm very into it so far. We're we're about almost. We're getting there. I'm writing it. It's almost ready for y'all. It's good. It's it's exciting. It's all about house went. We're gonna be a little batty this month talking about house went. I'm excited. You should be there. You should be a stranger to your patron. What are you doing? Oh my god. <laughs> but if you if you if ball is life. If you want to ball hard. At the girls got get in Patreon. Don't look at me like this, Eliana. If you want to ball and be a patron, there are other perks that you can get. If you want to be a baller patron, you can get some perks. Oh my god! Oh, like some stuff that they recorded previously on work perks. If you want to be a baller, I want to. I want to. I want to. I want to. <laughs> yeah. No, that's it though. That's it. Okay, I figured it out. I had to Google. I was like, "What is ball is life? Different sport." Um. <laughs> Different sport than I thought, but yes, uh, we're doing House House Went, the house that went away this month, and again, if you tune in, you might even learn a little bit about some of Chloe's very exciting CK2 runs, <laughs> and all about that house. Something else that we were doing, I don't know, we, we have just got a packed October, you know, we just really, we really threw everything into October 2023, we threw the whole... Girls gone. Octussy. Yeah, Octussy. We threw the whole podcast sussy into. That actually is terrible. Oh my god. Um, wow. Huh. <laughs> I'm keeping huh. it in. Staying um, oh. into this month. Wow. And we have our Discord brunch slash happy hour, which is available for patrons in the Thunder tier and above, $10 and up, on October 21st. That's a Saturday, and it is going to be Halloween-themed. Chloe has made a Google form to collect ideas for our reindeer games, but not reindeer games. Yeah, they're reindeer games. They're like jack-o'-lantern games, I guess, but that doesn't sound as good. It's Nightmare Before Christmas, I guess, then. Yeah, Oh my god. Spooky games. Um, We're going to play some games, yeah. There's going to be some tricks and some treats. This is GGC. It's going to be from 3 to 5 p.m. ET, 
Eliana time. Well, not Eliana. It's complicated. E.T. And (laughs) I want to see y'all there. I did put a little Google form out for anyone that wants to add some ideas for quiplash prompts. Uh, If you are seeking that, message me on the Discord and I shall hand it to you. And that's not the only tricking and treating we shall be doing this month of October. We have a very exciting episode coming out at the end of the month. Uh, to to kind of get you into a haunted mood-ish with our good friend Shiloh Carroll, who wrote a little ditty recently about medievalism in the world of Neil Gaiman. So we're going to have Shiloh on, and there may be a treat if you listen to this episode, because it's not going to be an Arya episode, folks. It is not going to be about a song of ice and fire. We, you know, some might say that we're playing games, that we're gaming you, because it's going to be on the Sandman. It's going to be on the Sandman. Yeah, yeah. So tune in. You also may end up winning a copy of this book, maybe. Maybe, maybe, maybe. So listen in. Not of the Sandman, that's Shiloh's book. (laughs) Yeah, Shiloh's book. Yeah. That's all the, you guys don't want any more of that. That's all the up top. That's all the house stuff. Let's get into the good the good stuff, which is we have on one of one of our generation, I think, which has been called our generation's Picasso of Aswaf. <laughs> our generations, I mean, my God, like Picasso and Renoir made out and had a weird gene love child, and then Mallory's in the bloodline somewhere. So, Mallory, <laughs> you make gorgeous art. I was, I don't even know when I first got turned on to you. <laughs> and I, I don't even know what my first piece I probably saw was. It had to have been some of your Sansa work. Uh, but I I love your work. I, I You've drawn Thank me you. some very special things, actually. A handful, a lot of special things, bitch. <laughs> uh, yeah. Our, yeah, deep. Yeah. Yeah. And our um, Magical Girls Gone Canon icon mm-hmm. is, is by Mallory. Indeed. Yeah. Wow. I did those. That was a fun, fun piece. That was commissioned by a friend of the stream, frequent emailer, <laughs> Kaoran Halfhand himself. Um, and that he was very patient with me. That's when I couldn't fully take commissions. So he waited a good chunk of time to get that yeah. done for you. Oh, wow. Devotion. Yeah. There. We love him. We do love him. We love a Stan. Yeah. I love that proportionately eared guy. <laughs> I took the proportion out. <laughs> I know. That's, that one's probably going to the bloopers, too, but I, I did it for him. Do it for him. Uh, yeah, Warren's the greatest, man. He he cracks me up. Uh, the first time I met Warren, IRL, in real life, I got to meet him in New York once. And I got to tell you, Mallory, the first thing that happened is that I heard him from like a block and a half away say, <laughs> oh, fuck, she's tall. <laughs> it was, uh, it, it was, it, it was great. Did people, I just don't, do people think I'm lying when I'm like, yo, Chloe is tall. Know. Chloe is I'm not like that, that tall, tall, but I'm tall. I'm tall. I'm just not like, I'm not like Gwen Christie tall, but I'm like, I am tall. I'm up there. Do you know that there, I have existed in this fandom enough now for there to be people who are very disappointed when they meet me in person that oh, I am so small. Yes. Weird. Stephen Stark, Madeline, <laughs> multiple other people who I can't think of right now off the top of my head, but yeah. They imagine you taller. They imagine. Well, you're I tall big, in my heart. I got tall energy. In my head, I'm a six foot three bowling ball person and I <laughs> knock everything down. I feel like that explains a lot about me. But yes, I am Sanrixian, the one, the only, the only um, Sanrixian 
that you need, really. Yeah. it's the only one there is. Real. That is I, um, also known as Mallory, but better known as Sanry. You can find me pretty much if you type in my look on Linktree. It's Linktree slash Sanrixian. That's got everything on it. Sanrixian.com. I'm on Twitter as Sanrixian. Just, I'm going to say it. Google the handle. You can do it. You can spell it. Yeah. I believe in you. But yeah, we do a stream over on a thing called twitch.tv. It is me, Hexagon slash Aegon No, better known as Egg, and Emily, who we call Evil Emily. That's her initials. She may or may not be evil, you decide. We do a live stream twice a week, sometimes when my technology is working. That is an Aswaf adjacent variety show, better known as the least serious podcast on the internet. And I draw for you guys, and we take requests, we play games, we talk about dragon dongs, foods, the bowling alley, pretty much everything, and a little bit of a little bit of Aswaf. We always come back to our roots, because you'll be listening, we're talking about uh, the service industry, and somehow we'll veer back to Bloodraven and talk <laughs> about Weirwood Tree fanfiction. So check us out, twitch.tv slash Sanrixian, and that is my promo. <laughs> Yeah, I had such a good time uh, coming on to Sanry Scribbles. You guys will have to check out Sanry Scribbles. We will, of course, link the link tree and all sorts of stuff below. But I've had so much fun getting to not only watch the streams, especially because they're on Twitch and I have the Twitch app on my phone. So um, mm. you'll you'll be streaming on a Sunday and all of a sudden my phone will go off and uh, I would just go, oh, shit, I'm going to watch Mallory. She's on. And it's it's really it's pretty nice, actually. I kind of like yeah. that. Thank you. It's nice. It's I it's, can sit there. I can go. Ooh, look what she's drawing. I can be in the chat. You can you can have the dulcet tones of my witch cackle <laughs> along with uh, my co-hosts of rotating variety. We had the honor and privilege of having Chloe on, and a little treat for girls gone canon listeners. Um, I believed I received a confirmation that my scheduler, aka Emily, has booked Eliana. <gasps> yes, what? for the future. Who? So that is a little sneak treat. We're just going through all the freaking kings and queens of the Twitteros. And I'm so honored to have had you on, Chloe. And I'm so excited to have you on, Eliana. I cannot wait for what we come up with for whatever theme we're going to do. Because I know that we're going to talk about anime. I've already given one one suggestion for a theme. Capybaras. Capybaras. Pokemon, but specifically like... People in fat Pokemon suits. That's what me and Eliana send to each other a lot. Yeah. But this is what we'll discuss. Yeah, we can talk some competitive stuff too. I gotta catch up on like what's going on in that world. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'm excited to join. I'll be joining Mallory sometime closer to end of the year. You know, you gotta you gotta send off the year with with the I don't know. I was gonna say good vibes, but with with me, I guess (laughs) towards the end. You know, another thing that Mallory's doing, and this is like over the last year or so, you've really amped up your Patreon and you're offering such cool rewards. And like when I say cool rewards, I kind of signed up for Patreon and I'm not a good patron. Like I don't use the shit anyone gives me. I pay people and I come back once every three months to download things I like. And then I'm like, okay, see you next year. You know, like I don't, I'm a bad patron, but I just got like a fucking email from Mallory and she's like, you won. And I'm like, one what, bitch? What do you mean? I won. Uh, and I won. 
art. I won art. She's doing art <laughs> raffles for patrons. And like, she like asked me what I want her to draw. She was like, what do you want to be drawn? And it's like a full color, like a real, like, you know, like a commission you should rightfully pay really good money for. Uh, and, and like full color, gorgeous line work, everything. Uh, we chose Lara Rojar and surrounded by some flowers and cats, colorful cats. They're all different colors because they're Lysini cats. They can't just be normal cats. Um, and they're all actually based on my cats, which was awesome. Like she added all these details. So we'll, we'll hit a link to that picture in the details as well. I'll oh, grab yeah. it. But you should definitely head to patreon.com slash Sanrixian and get a chance to do art raffle. Like I, it just happened to yeah, me. It's... Like I didn't even ask. It was awesome. <laughs> it just happened to me. I feel like this is the experience every art raffle poor art raffle winner goes through they're like huh what um but basically if you sign up even at the lowest tier we do a certain time limit for like it's like 30 minutes you get a free 30 minute drawing we're slowly going down through the list of all the patrons so everybody's getting a piece before we start over and it keeps trying to choose choose chloe it's chosen chloe like seven (laughs) times and i have to sit there in the art raffle channel and go sorry sorry i'm sorry chloe Uh, Um, but yeah basically you get free art and you can tip me anywhere from five to ten dollars to get more time added to the clock and also we do if you're a twitch sub which is pretty darn cheap we just got through september but you get a whole bunch of perks with your twitch subscription including like no ads which they can get annoying not gonna lie sometimes joe magician will come in friend of the stream and uh gift a bunch of subs it's pretty magical so stop by sometime And you'll get your name on that list. But anyway, art raffle. Great time. Yeah. Mallory, anything else you can give everyone at home, like a sneak preview of? Tell us. I mean, this is, it's your time. Your time to to rock and roll and sparkle and shine. Well, we do have those art raffles. And also we have continuing Patreon series, the Patron Dragons, the Patron Sigils. And we have a bump in Discord, like, there's messages waiting for me when I'm done with this. And that is really nice. We have a little family and a little community we're building. So hop on over to the Dragon Pit sometime and check us out. See what we're up to. Dragon Tales, Dragon Tales. There's lots of singing. If you get there within the first three minutes, you might catch me singing. Sometimes. Sometimes I just bull right into it when I have professional guests like Chloe and I get nervous. My mom's. Oh, God. Hey, that's, that's what we do, obviously. I think we've only broken out into song four times so far. So... Um, there's more to come. Absolutely. Always. You know, that's our whole thing. Mm-hmm. Well, more to come from Mallory. Get ready. Get get ready, because we're going to do a lightning round, everyone. Get, stretch it out a little. Mallory, you've listened before. You know Girls Gone yes, Canon. You know what a lightning round is, but I'm going to say it anyways for you and everyone at home. Our lightning rounds are a very brief, quick look at the chapters between the last chapter of Arya and this one, which was six... And seven. What? And you know what? Seven. Is that how numbers seven, work? Eight, nine. Um. <laughs> so. Wow. I'm going to kick us off with our lightning round today. And uh, I'll start us off with Daenerys 2. Karth celebrates the arrival of the Mother of Dragons while Danny celebrates Robert's death. Bran 4. The Reeds confront Bran in the Godswood on his seer abilities. Tyrion 7. Tyrion blackmails Lancel into spying for him. Aww. Who hasn't done that to their nephew at least once? Cute. Or a cousin. Yeah, you know? Come on, boy. <laughs> that brings us to Arya 7, where Arya is granted three wishes from the genie of death. And we open with a quote. 
Whatever names Heron the Black had meant to give his towers were long forgotten. They were called the Tower of Dread, the Widow's Tower, the Wailing Tower, the Tower of Ghosts, and Kingspire Tower. Arya slept in a shallow niche in the cavernous vaults beneath the Wailing Tower on a bed of straw. So the Arya chapter opening so far, they've been like bangers. This one is also a great opening line about those themes of legacy and also, of course, about what names anything is called within the story. Because, like, whatever happened at the time of Hair in the Black, that's all forgotten now, right? Just like the actual events of what happened during Robert's Rebellion or with, with any of these other people. Like, what happened between Ned and the Lannisters and at King's Landing prior to him dying. Like, no one really knows what happened. Ned's seen as a traitor. Here in the Black, they just remember whatever, like, these towers are called now. But also you have, like, this idea about, of course, the changeability of names. I think it's pretty straightforward in Arya's story, what I'm trying to say here. But it's kind of fun, like, within this opening and this first paragraph, because it starts with Arya, and then quickly by the next sentence, you talk about all these other names that she's already had, comparing, like, you know, the current like lot of weasel versus Ari and like what their responsibilities are. This is like what the second nickname that we're on for Ari. We had Ari and this would be weasel. Well, there's also lumpy head. Can't forget. Lumpy oh yeah. Head. Lumpy head and horse face. Mm-hmm. True, true, true. Mm-hmm. So an underfoot, oh underfoot and a little foot. Oh my gosh. Land oh, don't time. go down that road. Do not. No. <laughs> <Be tree. laughs> Uh, but, like, just all of the nicknames that she has, I feel like every time I go back and I do a reread, especially when I'm looking for themes in a certain chapter, it's like George is hitting me in the face with a big stick. Like, why didn't you see this? Or maybe bonking me on the head mm. in, like, jail, mm. Shiba Inu <laughs> style. But also, like, look at all the nicknames she has. It's almost set up for her to lose Arya, yeah. like, her actual name, and who lose who she is. And it's just... Oh, because, like, all I can see is the vibes in these chapters, especially with Arya's chapters, because the reason I chose her when I was asked to come on this elusive, exclusive, amazing podcast, I was like, Arya is one of my favorite characters because she has, like, the mysterious, kind of witchy, ghosty, woo-woo, spooky vibes, if that makes any sense. Mm -hmm. TM. But, like, it's definitely the faceless magic is something I can't wait to explore more in the further books when we get them. Yeah. Yeah, I'm thinking so much about, like, Jack in and, and his journey more, right? Like, because we already did the Old Town chapter, so we've already kind of gotten the faceless man, like, scariness yeah. going on, the hauntedness there in, in Old Town right. of people dying, and uh, it, it's interesting to come to Arya now after that chapter and think about what is going on with these faceless men. <laughs> what is going on with these boys? Quick question. Do you guys think that Jacken's hot like is Jacken hot to you or do we not care about that am I the only one who thinks about this like in the show or just in general did the tv show influence me too much I'm talking about book Jacken because the the hair is a vibe I mean it depends right like some sometimes maybe he is sometimes he isn't because he can change his face which is is even more desirable in a lover yeah that's more desirable to me doesn't that keep things fresh Mm. um absolutely Mm. And the other thing I would say is like, yeah, because in the books, he's grosser and skeezier. And I don't know what it is, but something about a gross asshole man turns me on. 
So once in a while, like <laughs> uh, one in every five might do something for me, and maybe it does. <laughs> I have to think about it. I've never thought about I it until tell, now. Um, is that the trauma baby? I can tell if if that's just the role that he's playing here. Because, you know, he plays right. such a different role in person when he's like the alchemist. It's right? just Versus like Pete. my last five exes. Yeah. But he's all <laughs> exactly them. right. Like, he's like Whitney Houston. He's every woman. It's all. Before my. <laughs> Before I got my forever roommate, the guy I dated before him, yeah, I think he might have been a faceless man too, babe. Oh, yeah. 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 I know the type. Hmm. <laughs> and that's why he's not dead. No, I'm joking. Mm, I was talking about yet. Quentin um, Martell, not, not, not your roommate. I'm sorry. I'm asking the important questions. Uh, yeah. That was, uh, thank no, you. That's an important Riveting. One. You're welcome. We need someone to ask us questions once in a while. It keeps us, you know, rebalances us. I bring the chaos in honor <laughs> of my co-host here. Also, Eliana, I did want to touch on, like, how you were talking about how what happened during Haran's time when the towers oh, yeah. were, like, melted. We don't really know what happened there. Haran. I don't know why I said Haran like a freaking noob. You can call it I mean, whatever what? you want. George says Stealth <laughs> Rock Guy. I, I stand by that. You can pronounce it however you want. Yeah. But absolutely. Thank you. Um... But, like, you were talking about how the castles were melted and we don't quite know exactly what happened there and all the lore that has been lost and how, what basically, like, the survivors write the history, right? And yeah. it had just reminded me of a tickety-talk that I saw about dragons and it made me go into a whole, like, wow. And it, made, it like, weirdly connected me thinking about Heron the Black mm. and dragons. So I weirdly had a similar thought, but not so elegantly said, but basically, like, the ghost vibes is what I was trying to emphasize there. Oh. I did bad cut that. <laughs> yeah. That the ghosts like persist and they're still they're still there. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Mm. It's like the forgotten history, the ghost doesn't just mean like a person or a physical spirit. It's also like the history that we lost. Yeah. That's what mm -hmm. I was getting at. Yeah, I like that. And like uh, we talk about sometimes a lot about magic, the pool of magic and like right. meaning and what religion means really in magic, mm -hmm. like the similarities in some of that too. And I think there's some of that too, like Heron Hall is something that has been imbued with fire, obviously with and dragon blood. flame and blood. Yeah, yeah. It is literally paved with that and blood sacrifices and dragon fires seem to make some certain things happen. We've heard. We don't know what yet, but we just know that it has properties together that it can do some shit so i don't know of course this fucking giant massive building is haunted it's also yeah. the energy of the people that live there like think of reyna right targaryen right. her living there for example like i think about every day of my life unfortunately and i can't stop thinking about it but like think of the energy from that time and just interesting uh the battle of the god's eye with Aegon and magor mm -hmm. yeah big yeah. fan <laughs> the the stone and the blood and the bone and all of that Ooh. happening with the dragon fire, that is like soul stealing kind of vibes. And I happen to be close to Alton, Illinois, which is allegedly one of the most haunted cities in the oh. world. And I get to talk to a lot of people, um, or at least in the United States, Google it, don't at me. But a lot of people, like I get to talk to people who had lived there who are going to college where I'm moonlighting as a barista right now. One guy said, like, oh, it's the limestone. It holds on to energy. And I was like, oh, shit, it's like crystals. So that also made me think about the energy that's got to be there and why you, no man can hold it and why we have all this spooky shit. So it's like a perfect spot for Arya. 
It's just full of bad vibes. Bad vibes. Really bad vibes. She's got to feel those bad vibes to really awaken her magic. Except for when single women live there. Then it's full of sad but sexy vibes. Like, again, Reyna or Lady Wet. Even Alice. Yeah. That's when... Oh, yeah. I mean, people really forget her, you know? No. I just saw Angels and Musical and it makes you want to go, like, people really forget about her, you know? I think it's because she's such a slut. So... Cleaning the Wailing Tower sucks, but Arya is able to bathe and get food. Very exciting. And Hot Pie for sure gets even more food. That could have been you, Arya. You could have gotten great food in the kitchen, but you didn't want that. Hot Pie, though, is... And then he tries to smuggle Arya some tarts every now and then. Unfortunately, they end up getting caught, and then they're punished for sharing the apple tarts. Big sad. Also, they rarely see Gendry now because he's put in put over like with the smithing stuff. It's easier also to not know the names of her coworkers. She's like a bunch of them, especially the ones that are older than her. She's like, I don't care about their names. Hashtag no new friends, especially because they often die. Oof. She's already lost like a lot of people here. And this seems kind of like a self-preservation tactic to protect yourself from like further loss of her pack. As you guys have kind of like talked about, he, she's lost all of her family and then she gets a new group of bros and she's lost them and she's just like losing people one by one. And it's just like max sad Arya vibes here. Why did I pick this chapter again? I don't know. Like, do, oh, because I'm a masochist. Yeah. All animators are masochists. Hashtag yeah. underscore bold. Probably. Yeah, I, I really like that call out of. I mean, it is, right? She's already, she's lost so many people. She's lost a bunch of her family members. She doesn't need to know more people. And let's say it's kind of interesting too, right? Like that she's not knowing their names, especially in the context of later on in her story and how people in Bravos introduce themselves right away. They're like, oh, nice to meet you. By the way, my name is, insert name. And that's because the faceless man cannot take on a target that they know and so i think like it kind of ties into that right like this idea that having a personal connection with someone kind of makes it harder to carry out like a kill against them or a hit against them yeah the people in bravos on the streets are like constantly she knows the names of all these people on the streets and it makes you think yes she's just a girl you know out there selling cockles and clams but do you they i think they know like in bravos i'm sure they tell everyone their names yeah my name's harry what's your name sir what's your name (laughs) if you tell me your name and it is like it's like a magic kind of almost thing right it's a defense uh they probably assume new people they don't know usually are faceless you know they especially down in the business yeah uh now the docks you're gonna see a lot of new people and like lords and stuff but still like in the city i don't know i'd be telling my name to everyone yeah and if you look at like in the house of black and white i want to say it's ugly little girl no one tells her her name the kindly man is the kindly man the waif is the waif mm. and then Amma is the cook that like the only person with names and then she says the others had no names or did not choose to share them almost like identity theft you know like if someone sees you they could steal who you are there's also like a power in a name old magic power like yeah Rumple still skin. Yeah. <laughs> we all remember yeah. that tale. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it is kind of like that too, you know, like with the fairy magic of knowing someone's true name. But there's also kind of like a when you join the Faceless Men, I guess you're supposed to shed those identities and you don't have a name anymore. You're a tool. 
it kind of speaks a little bit to how when you join, I don't know, like the the King's Guard or the Night's Watch, right? You're no longer whoever the fuck you were. You lose your last name or the Maesters, you know? You get your cool new name, but except for in the, in your, in the King's Guard, you keep your cool name. But you're not supposed to, like, you know, you're supposed to give up love, families, shit like that, because... What if you gotta kill them? Like, when the time Ares was like, you know what, you should kill your dad, Jamie. And Jamie's like, uh, I don't think so. That too, like, the name, keeping their name isn't for them. You know, it's to give the honor to their family because their family basically sacrificed them. Yeah. In a way, you know, like, it's an honorable thing for your legacy. It's not about you and the Kingsguard. Yeah, it's about your family. Like, they have to get something out of giving up an heir or a second son or, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. What is in a name? Letters. Um, the castle is in need of tender love and care and servants, which we discussed a bit last chapter. It's the worst bachelor pad because the Wentz had only really used the lower two thirds of the two towers. They just like did not have a very big household and Tywin planned to restore Harrenhal to glory. Everyone said. (laughs) Tywin restoring Harrenhal to glory. What is he doing here? Like, is he trying to raise a new seat of power in the Riverlands? Like, that seems to be the idea, right? It's definitely a big lion balls move, thinking you can hold the unseatable seat, basically. The Galahad chair, if you've read Grant Percy's novel, Galahad. That's a call out to our friend there. That's great. I love that. It's a... Because it is cursed, and it's, it's almost like the ambition that Tywin seems to have, and he's doing it very differently than Ares too. But Ares, it's like how he wanted to build a new capital, right? right. Mm. Um, so it's interesting, this idea of building a new place and scorching down everything else to be God, which is similar to what Ares was about. Like, <laughs> that's why they that's why they came to blows all the time, is because they wanted the same thing. They were the same person, it turns out. And everything that Tywin's doing in Clash, especially when you see it through Arya's eyes and Tyrion's eyes, like those chapters are great in Clash to kind of cushion one another because you're seeing what Tywin is doing in Arya's eyes. You're hearing what Tyrion is doing and what he thinks Tywin wants him to do slash what Tywin's doing. And you're putting it all together. And it's like Tywin's scrambling to really stamp his legacy across Westeros and using these great keeps and these great houses as kind of a foothold for that, right? Like with the securing the kingdoms through marriage, mm. we see that huge snagging up marriages. Sansa's is the key to the north. Oberyn to Cersei. Cersei marry Oberyn. No! Um, you know, telling Jaime, retire from the King's Guard and marry Marjorie. No! And instead, uh, he has to use the kids as puppets because he realizes that his, he kind of fucked up too hard and they don't want to, they don't want to do anything for him anymore. They've already ruined all that. And, you know, mm. It's all but in name that he's ruling, right? It's interesting that Rob, we have him as the king of the Riverlands in the north. Tywin is basically king of the Rock, of the Crownlands, and the Reach, and the south and everything. And he, he's, like, using Joffrey as a puppet. He doesn't want that direct power. He wants to be able to get the power through him. And, I don't know, I think Tyrion doing the Tristane and Marcella, uh engagement that he does is very smart because... Well, for one reason, it's smart. A a bunch of reasons it's not smart, right? Like, it's smart if it was a real deal and that's what they wanted because they're kids. They aren't going to say shit about it. They're just going to do what they have to because they live in a castle. Gets her out of there, gets her safe-ish, quote-unquote, quote-unquote. Not a Feast for Crows worthy, but a quote-unquote safe. And, 
you know, the problem is it's too far away. They're fucking like nine years old. You know, so much can happen in six years in a country that's brewing on injustices right now. So I find it very interesting that this is what Tywin's going hard for. This is what he's trying to erase Tytos with. Yeah, he's like, you know what's not funny, everyone? Hall. So that's why I'm going to take that castle. He's like, I'll show you, daddy. <laughs> That'll hurt you, daddy. I was reminded, like, in this your notes here, Chloe, just of how much this chapter compared with Tyrion's chapter, as you were saying, it also, for me, kind of makes it so obvious why Arya sees the Lannisters as, like, the big bad guys. And I'm very, like, I think swayed by her perspective because I'll see a lot of people being like, oh, I love the Lannisters. I'm like, why? Oh, yeah, right. Okay. I see, you know, like, uh, there are good, like, I like Cersei's chapters later on, but like, you know, I just really see Arya's point of view in this. Yeah. I mean, like, you know, they, they do bad things. Sometimes it's fun to just support the baddies. It's fine. But I mean, they are kind of terrorizing everything. But now that I think about it, when you talked about that ambition and Tywin's relationship with his dad, right? And kind of everything being him completely overcorrecting for his father's bad parenting and doing just his own different bad parenting. Great job, Tywin. Actually not. Hall is very much like a it makes sense for something to him to aspire to and a symbol for it because what they did to Hall, what the Targaryens did to Hall in burning the whole thing and everyone trapped there alive is kind of elementally literally this like but the opposite but the same of what Tywin did to the reigns of Castamere. He just did it with water. They're doing it with fire. Waterbender. Yeah. Tywin, you're a waterbender. Just just accept it. Um, oh he, the water nation is no, attacking the fu- no, okay. <laughs> BuzzFeed the said tribe. he was a firebender, Elia. Yeah. Oh my god. Let him believe it. Tywin uh. thinks he's the avatar, and Tywin, you are not. You are not. <laughs> he wants to be. He does. He wants to be. Arya's role starts to expand. Weiss has her running around doing messages and fetching food and serving tables at the barracks halls, but mostly cleaning and... The Wailing Tower is only half full. It's full of granaries and storerooms, the garrison quarters, and above that, it is full of huge black bats. House went sigil. And maybe some rats. And ghosts. She wargs even when she's, like, not working. Like, look at all those animals that we were just curiously Ooh. told about. Like, what do you think bat dreams are like? Whoa. Bat wargs. Upside dreams. down. They gotta be wild. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Skin changing into a bat. Ooh. Hmm. Oh, that that's kind of like the vampire is something you're changing it to a bat mm-hmm. but in a different way interesting interesting mm-hmm. also there's that whole it's not foreshadowing for sansa with like bat wings but what if it was hmm. yeah i love that especially because george isn't really also he's not really leaning into the wents at this point in the story is like mm-hmm. related to them which is interesting the wents are like super young house <laughs> Right, like they do not go back very far. They're not older than like a hundred years. The Lothstons just died out a little bit ago. It really hasn't been long. Like Ben Blackthumb, that's there at the castle that we'll meet eventually. Like he has, he served the Lothstons, right? Like he's he's worked there for a while. It's been a bit. So I don't know. It's interesting because he isn't. George doesn't really connect the Wents with the Starks as much here because Minissa is literally their grandma, and that's it. Never matter. So I guess it doesn't matter. Yeah, and and as we'll probably discuss, there's a couple there's a couple of noteworthy people from the house, you know, despite them being so young. So very interesting. Mm-hmm. Arya thinks that the whole ghost thing is stupid because Heron and his sons died in the King's Pirate Tower. So why the fuck would they be like haunting below? Duh. She didn't think that they would leave to like haunt her across the yard. Very dumb. The Wailing Tower wailed when wind blew. 
She's like, it's not from spirit. It's, it's science, y'all. That's what she said. <laughs> if there were ghosts in Harrenhal, they never troubled her. It was the living men she feared. Yo, for real. No, Weiss for real. and Sir Gregor Clegane and Lord Tywin Lannister himself, who kept his apartments in Kingspire Tower, still the tallest and mightiest of them all, though lopsided beneath the weight of the slagged stone that made it look like some giant half-melted black candle. This is like some good Ghost of Harrenhal set up the end reveal of this chapter point. Just a footnote there. Yeah, it's the imagery is really nice and dark too. And I love like the candle thing. It makes me think, is it like a glass candle almost? I was wondering that. Oh yeah. 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 I was wondering that when we were talking about it first. Like the ingredients could mm-hmm. be there. There's definitely if you superheat stone, what's it turn into, friends? Glass. Glass. Yep. And it seems, while it's scorched, it's more similar to obsidian than it was before. It's like yeah. a dark, it's not shiny like obsidian, but it's, its qualities are similar to that darkness of it. So it's just interesting. It makes you wonder. Yeah. What messages hmm. are being transmitted? I'm going to throw it out there and we can come back to it later if we have time. But I think that dragon roasted meat probably smells, maybe tastes bad, like sulfuric, like rotten eggs. So. We don't have to linger long, but here's that's a thought that I have. We had a, a follower also say once that they thought that the dragon yeah. farts probably smelled sulfuric. So, oh, yeah. I, yeah. I, I asked what the dragon pit smelled like, and it was like massively voted on Twitter to be like disgusting. Yeah. And while I want to imagine a dragon smells like a horse or a dog or a pony, it's a reptile. <laughs> and a dirty reptile mm-hmm. tank is one of the rankest things oh. on the world. And they're eating meat. Yeah. And they're... Where's what kind of fluid makes that fire go? I just have all kinds of questions that probably don't have good answers, like happy, pleasant answers. It smells like sunshine and rainbows, Eliana. I don't know what you're talking I mean, the about. The sun is pretty oh hot, my God. but um, <laughs> so throwing it out there, Arya has pondered what if she reveals herself to Tywin? Question mark, question mark, but realizes there's no point. And Weez, who is terrible and cruel and sets dogs onto people, would just beat her for trying anyway. Weez lands himself at spot number one in the prayer. Weez, she would whisper, first of all. Dunson, Chiswick, Poliver, Raft the Sweetling, the Tickler, the Hound, Sir Gregor, Sir Amory, Sir Illin, Sir Marin, King Joffrey, Queen Cersei. If she let herself forget even one of them, how would she ever find him again to kill him? So this is not a surprise to anyone, but there are obvious wee similarities with Ramsay, the dogs, of course. But I think there's like a, a kind of poetry there, right? With Arya having to face Wee's, and then Ramsay is set against an Arya stand-in. But unfortunately, things go really badly for Jane. So again, the dogs, they both have bad smells associated with them. They're both also very much bullies. And I think that's one of the things that we're supposed to really take from this. They wield whatever power they have over others, and for Weiss, that's the other servants that he's given charge of. And Ramsay, he ends up holding more institutional power, and he kind of just bullies everyone. And I, I do think that, like, Weiss would do the same if he were elevated to the same role as Ramsay, right? Like, we can see it here, but, you know, you contrast that with people like the Mountain who don't notice those who are beneath him quote-unquote, until, like, it's brought to their attention, as we hear in the story later on. Whereas Weez and Ramsay, like, feel compelled to try and get people to notice them and terrorize them for, I guess, that attention, and in order to cement their own sense of power and security. 
Oh, it's a great gateway. It's a gateway into Ramsey. It's like, oh. and I like how he does that, right? Like, uh, chat too has a little bit of Ramsey-esque true. behavior. True, true, You know, true. that's great. That's great. But not great, but great. Fictionally great. Yes. Please, please, everyone listening at home, do not take this as a guide to my moral ethics. Yeah. Thanks. Because <laughs> it's fiction. <laughs> On the road, Arya had been a sheep. Harrenhal transformed her into a mouse, gray, keeping to crevices in the wall of the enormous castle, three times the size of Winterfell. It reminds Arya of old Nan's stories of giants beyond the wall. Tywin could have feasted his entire host, but he never did. Ooh, says a lot about the guy. Being a mouse, though, has positives. No one notices gray mice underfoot, and Arya had begun to collect secrets. Pretty Pia from the buttery was working her way through every night in the castle. The wife of the gowler was with child, but the real father was either a Sir Alan Staxbeer or a singer called White Smile Watt. Lord Leffen made mock of ghosts at table, but always kept a candle burning by his bed. Sir Dunover's squire, Joge, could not hold his water when he slept. The cooks despised Sir Harris Swift and spit in all of his food. Once she even overheard Maester Tothmere's serving girl confiding to her brother about some message that said Joffrey was a bastard and not the rightful king at all. Lord Tywin told him to burn the letter and never speak again of such filth, the girl whispered. Joge. I love Joge. that. Like Job. Jo- but Joge. I feel like I don't know enough about Joge, and I feel like I need to know more. He's cool. Um... He can't hold his pee. He can't hold his pee. Big sad. Not everyone can. True. So, this is a great passage. We get introduced quickly to a lot of characters we're about to see soon. So, very great job, George. You did it. Um, I have more thoughts uh, about gender and power here. And, you know, last chapter, we were talking a little bit about how Arya's story setting her up for collecting intelligence and again in the CIA usage of the term but like let's be real intelligence as a noun in that way it's like it's just a fancy way of making these things sound valuable and masculine and as we see from other characters and as the story plays out like these kinds of morsels really are useful even if they don't seem to be so let's just call it what it is right like all of this shit it's just gossip all right, like it's gossip, and the master of whispers—they deal in gossip, and gossip is something that is traditionally seen as something below men, right? It's kind of associated with something that petty, shallow women do, and that's because it's not perceived as masculine, and therefore, with masculine being seen as good, and it's associated with feminine spheres, that's part of why it's met with such suspicion, especially when it comes to people who are master whispers, and therefore the men who hold that position in King's Landing are seen as those gender outlaws. And for women who are master whispers, it's because they're turning something that's that's feminine into power for themselves, right? And powerful women, as we all know, they must somehow be witches or something. They can't actually, you know, be powerful. But sometimes they really are witches and it's very cool. But, I mean, information is power and it is useful and gossip is exactly that. And women, including among the servants, it's this lower class thing, right? But like that exchange of this information is important. It's important for survival. And that's why that gossip is useful. It's what Arya like 
begins to professionally train in in A Feast for Crows when she brings the secrets back. She has to deal in gossip and secrets. Um, It reminds me of, my God, what is it? Was it? Mean Girls? Is it from Ace Wolf? No, someone who, yeah, that too. It always reminds me of Mean Girls. Uh, Someone paying in secrets. Like, I feel like there's a line of that somewhere in here, but I mean, they have it in her story, right? Where they're like, all right, end of the day, give me three secrets, three new shit. Yeah, yeah, it's something more. I'll think of it over the next whatever. It kind of feels like that's the role I'm fulfilling right now as I stand at in my behind my countertop and I stare out at the student body and the professors and everything and everybody comes to me for the tea and then you know what becomes of that is the managers and the people in charge all, what about this person and this and this and this and that's just like, hmm. <laughs> buy a drink put a dollar in the tip jar and then you could ask me questions <laughs> i mean that's the way the world works right yeah like yeah, you like, know I'm, secrets about people they give you access to the world I'm making people potions i'm dealing in gossip i'm just on my way to a full-fledged crone era i'm so proud of myself oh my God. i'm entering it too here we go guys maybe you're in your alice <laughs> rivers era though Ooh. Ooh. I am, like, technically, like, milf age, according to Gravy, I think, so that makes me legit. <laughs> I think, like, according to George, I mean. <laughs> I mean yeah, that's true. Very I am true. older than Catelyn Stark now, so. Oh my god, oh, yeah. stop telling we people that. It's, uh, don't tell them. They'll never know. Yeah, they'll never know. I'm not. Who's gonna useful? <laughs> They're gonna find out. How would they know? <laughs> Arya learns that the Baratheon brothers are warring. And that everyone is kind of declaring themselves kings these days. She then hears Lannister men doubting how long Joffrey will hold the throne. Woo! Uh, understandable. This doesn't even make it through yep. the next book. Um, so it is kind of interesting, though, that the Lannisters, <laughs> they think that the Lannisters cannot hold King's Landing because it's ruled by, and they say, like, a eunuch, a dwarf, and a woman. And they're like, what good will the likes of them be? If it comes to battle, and it, it really comes back to that mistaken belief among some Blackfire supporters that martial power is what makes a good leader. We see it with um, Osgrey. But it's this dwarf strategy that holds King's Landing against, you know, the much more traditionally masculine-coded Stannis Baratheon, right? I mean, yeah, Tywin comes in and swoops in at the end, but it's, you know... Tyrion's really good strategy that that plays such a big role at the Blackwater and also this eunuch like has been setting the stage for a civil war to come to Westeros so please do not discount him um Cersei valid she's just she's just doing whatever her thing is um She's just doing her thing. They really might not hold it because of her but anyways <laughs> She's doing her best She's doing. I think she's doing her worst, but that's that's what we oh, love absolutely. about her. She is there to cop, fuck shit up, and I'm so proud of her. Honestly, like she's like, what if I just did everything that I wasn't supposed to do, but just to see, yeah, just to find out. Uh, Good for her. Yeah. Oh, Cersei. She's doing her thing. Oh, Cersei. I look forward to those chapters some sometime, sometime. All the Cersei chapters, you never know when it could happen. You never know. Just like the Winds of Winter. I mean, it could be next. You never know. Look under your chairs. Is never it Cersei? Know. I don't know. Oh, and no one knows. It's bees. It's bees. Oh, God. <laughs> uh, so, Don Darian's a hot topic at court. I agree. I agree. Talk about him a lot in my house. And the bloody mummers had slain him, people said. Or Amory Lorch killed him. Or the mountain killed him twice. 
Uh, keep counting. You only get nine if you're a cat. One man says, I bet he won't stay dead this time either. Yeah, that's true. I love this so much. Uh, going back to like that rumor mill we're hearing about. I love when some of the rumors are true, as we've been hearing from the small folk. Sometimes the small folk get it faster than it actually happens. Uh, and here we have Barrick, right? Great foreshadowing. He's in the back room, that continuing of the rumor mill. It, it's, you know, he's out there. He's He keeps dying and coming to life, dying and coming to life, much like all of Arya's new names, really. Wow. Yeah, actually. Wow. I love Barrick. Like, there's a reason I named my dog after him, even though he's, like, a background character. Barrick Dogdarian is immortal. He will live forever. Dogdarian. Yeah, I mean, honestly, Barrick's not, like, that much of background, right? He's a great, he's a great fun dude. He's just, like, a myth and a legend and, like, the myth, the legend. a kind of, like, he's, like, a folk hero, almost, like, Ooh. at this point. And you're like, yeah, what's this guy up to? Like, tell me there are songs about him. Like, there's gotta be a dude with a loot talking about Barrick the Brave, got axed with the nace, mace. Do go. they have songs about him? They should. They, should. they will. I mean, will, Thomas Evanstreams yeah, is writing yeah. them. That's true, yeah. He is, I mean, there are should, songs, yeah. He's putting together his yeah. album. You should write it into your musical, the Asswalk musical. Oh, yeah, yeah, that yeah. That's we'll a good producing point. in 10 years. Yeah. Oh, my God. Wait, yeah. what if we did the Kingwood Brotherhood as a musical, like a Ooh, mini that's vignette? that's a good a little mini Anyways. musical. <laughs> Thanks, Mallory. Great inspo. Uh, you know who I would love to see a musical number from? No. The Bloody Mummers. Oh, yeah. Oh. It would be a whole, we get like, their dance. intro here. It would be, like, a huge dance number, you know, with everybody. People would have little Zorse heads, like, people would be holding In the background, the ensemble, the yeah. Yeah. Oh, my God, yes. Because their official intro here, put music to it in your heads, whatever walk-up song you want it to have. Uh, we start with a copper man, or sorry, there are many copper men with bells in their braids, so Dothraki. Lancers astride striped black and white horses. Zorses, the very most important Zorses. Shout out to our Zorses over at Patreon.com. Uh, bowmen with powdered cheeks. Squat, hairy men with shaggy shields. Brown-skinned men in feathered cloaks. A wispy fool in green and pink motley. That's Shagwell. Watch out for that one. Sword men with forked dyed beards. Spearmen with colored scars. A man in a septon robe. A man in a maester's robe. Is that Kyburn I see? And a sickly one with a leather cloak fringed with long blonde hair. At the front is a stick-thin, tall man with an emaciated face and a long, ropey black beard. From chin to waist, his helm a black goat's head. On his neck was a chain of linked coins in many different sizes, shapes, and metals. And his mount, of course, is a Zorse. Zorses! I think they actually are Zorses. I know I've asked this in the past and wondered about it. Our friend Warren has asked... Uh, George about the Zorses, and George just replied, there are Zorses IRL. <laughs> so I think these are, in fact, Zorses because zebras do there not, are. they're not structurally, they're not structurally able to carry a person. So these are, these are Zorses. Um, and I don't know if they're just, like, magically exist in this world, like, naturally, or if someone took horses and bred them with zebras to make um, them in this world. Th that's what the Zorse is in our world, so I would yeah. say, yeah. The the Zorse is literally crossbreeding a male zebra with a female horse. Yeah, it exists in our world, but I'm just like, does it? Did do they have like a magical? You know, it was just naturally part of their fantasy world the way dragons are, or did someone decide let's just do it? Let's just make our own Zorses in their world too. I don't know. I feel like that was like a weird like rescue farm incident 
like where there was a male zebra and a female horse and there was probably an ostrich and an emu probably a real sad like wolf or tiger situation and that's how we got source what do you that's dark but that's the invention mm. of a lot of crossbreeds of captive lions like mm-hmm. lions and tigers the liger. and yeah all of the crazy colors we get with the different bengal tigers and stuff oh, I don't think yeah i, I want to say it was like back in the 1800s is when they were they began they loved breeding oh. shit back then they, they were did. like what if we did this and I mean, I'm in. Yeah. I put a little picky in the dock for you guys, and I'm, I want to <laughs> ride that. That's like a magical little pinto, but better. That's pretty cool. Though. Charles Darwin actually yeah. mentioned like hybrids of them in his book in 1859, huh. like four different hybrids of the ass and the zebra. The yeah. ass and the zebra. Oh, good. The ass. Zebra. Mm-hmm. You know, we had a we had a chance. We could have called them zebras. I guess that's kind of confusing. You can also call them to... um, zebroid. Is an uh, offspring oh, okay. of them. Yeah, Zebroid is also called that. There's a lot of names you can call them. There's also Zebros, Zebrula, Zebrul, oh. Zebra Mule, a Hebra, a Horse Bra. Oh, the reverse like pairing. Bra. Yeah, Zebrini or Zebra Henny. I like that one because I think Hebra, I associate, I think it like, isn't there a place in the. In Zelda, <laughs> the Hyrule areas, like yeah. the Hebra Mountains? <laughs> <laughs> Probably. Ugh. This description of the introduction of the Bloody Mummers really stood out to me this time. Because, like, you know, the main crew of the Bloody Mummers, and, like, likely the rest of the camp, maybe just because they followed the leaders and named characters that we get later on, they're unfortunately probably assholes, right? Um, They do not have good ethics, as we come to learn about the Bloody Mummers. But the language of how they're described when they all first appear, it's actually very neutral in many ways of their description, right? They're like, this is what they look like. And it's kind of this patchwork of all these, it, it's a sellsword company made up of like all these different cultures that are not Westerosi. Again, ignoring the individuals at the end of the paragraph whom we learn about later on. But like, if you ignore them, the way that this whole group is described might actually resemble a little bit of what we can expect Daenerys's host to look like when she eventually comes to Westeros in in one of those books. Um, and despite like you know Danny's intentions, I I'm worried that like people's experiences with the bloody mummers could unfortunately prime them to feel suspicion and hostility towards her host even though it is made up of very different groups and very different people right like i don't think that the people making up the sellswords of the bloody mummers are freed slaves mm-hmm. right also earlier i want to bring up because you you've mentioned danny and how this is kind of like a parallel earlier chloe i believe said like they were making fun of joffrey for having his kingdom really run by a eunuch a woman and a dwarf and i don't know if we're gonna go the same route where Varys and Tyrion will be advising danny but i mean that could be some kind of setup there or like a little nice oh, callback yeah, Varys and Tyrion. well i don't mm-hmm. know if Varys will because i think he's gonna be on a different side but she does have a whole yeah. she does have a whole army made up of eunuchs not just one so she does there's that yeah <laughs> yeah. yeah like the bad show influences me in the worst way sometimes. And also I was really sad that we didn't get to see Zorses in the whole Bloody Mummers yeah. in the bad show because I remember waiting for this and they're like, uh, they're going to come. And then they never came. And, I, I uh, get it. But like, cause I, I just think Vargo Holt would have been very silly. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> He's going to smooch someone. 
I oh, so silly. But I think that was the point, Fargo right? Hall. I don't know. He's yeah. supposed to be a little silly. Yeah. In the musical, should I mean you could lean into that. anyways. Oh my God. Um, We're bringing Fargo Hope back. Uh, I want to say too, like even that line, it kind of reminds me of Essie and Sylvana Sand during uh, Dance of the yeah. Dragons. You know, if they're making their own little kingdom with King Gaiman and the rest of his court. Yeah, they had good plans. They had the best yeah. platform. You know how it goes. Yeah, they they really had the best platform. So Weez warns her not to get to know them, calls them toes of the goat, and Tywin's bombers. Is the joke here that goats don't have toes? Unsure. Um, <laughs> Fargo throat goat. Oh, what? Whoa. I'm sorry. Bring oh him back. Gosh. Bring him back. Musical. <laughs> um, oh yeah, I guess he can do like some guttural. We can do some guttural singing. Like, ah. um. Anyways. Yodeling? Wee's reminding Arya to call this group uh, not the Bloody Mummers, especially when you're in front of the Lannisters and in front of them. You should call them the Brave Companions. And I think that's kind of fun in a chapter that opens up with the different names for Hall's Towers. And also Arya struggling with like, Hot Pie, stop fucking calling me Arya in front of everyone. You have to call me Weasel now. All right. And also, of course, like with Hote not being a lord, but then Wee's tell someone, like, she better call him Lord if she wants to keep all her parts. Isn't the world a fucked up place? Um, yeah, but at least we don't have Vargo Hote, I guess. We got a lot of people like that, but in our world. It's true. The night of their arrival, they fought with some of the Lannister men at dinner, headed up by Harris Swift, and Tywin hanged the injured men in the fight that started the trouble at the gatehouse walls. Apparently, the archer in the group started it all by taunting them about Beric Dondarrion. Got him. Afterwards, Vargo and Harris embrace and kiss, swearing to love each other always in front of Tywin. Very funny that Tywin made them do this. I forgot this. <laughs> I forgot that that happened. I think it's a Godfather reference. I'm not kidding. Mm, um, interesting. In The Tell Godfather, me. there's a scene similar where you kind of like have the guys fight, like in front of the God, you have to kiss and make up in front of the Godfather, even though they really, really want to murder each other. Like, he's like, in my kingdom, I'll have fucking peace. Now kiss and make up. It's very mob. It's very, yeah, it just makes me think of Godfather. Okay. Arya found this all very funny to watch, but she knew better than to laugh. The mummers don't stay long, but she hears gossip before they leave that Roos is bringing an army to the Ruby Ford. Yes, you heard it. The Roos is loose. Arya realizes she could try to escape Harrenhal with the loose Roos and maybe find her brother and thinks, maybe I'll see my family again. And there's this beautiful, sad, heartbreaking line. <clears throat> when she thought of seeing Rob's face again, Arya had to bite her lip. And I want to see John too, and Bran, and Rickon, and Mother, even Sansa. I'll kiss her and beg her pardons like a proper lady. She'll like that. Aww. It's like Sansa and Arya are such like beautiful mirrors of each other, yeah. and. This is one of the first parts where here's this little sibling secret for you. Sanry's sibling secret corner. You fight with your sibling a lot um, growing up, like a lot. Like me and my brother were enemies. Like he was like a secret third parent, right? Like he told on me if I get home like five minutes late. And then like there comes a time when you move out of the house and then you're your younger sibling has to be there and they have to deal with your parents alone. And then they text you when you're in their college and they're like, I'm sorry for being a dickhead. And you're like, yeah, it's cool. And then you're like best friends again. 
And, like, it's really magical having, like, a sibling friendship as adults. Like, we'll hang out with each other and just watch horror movies all day. And um, my roommate thinks we're crazy. (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. But it's a good situation. So, like, this just gives me vibes of them having this first moment where they're separated. And they have both had individual traumas. And it's like, man, I really, you know, that person kind of pisses me off. Not this is being the first moment that she's thinking of Sansa. But this is, like, what I think of when I see them having moments like this. When I see Arya being like, oh, I'm going to be a proper lady and do all the things she likes so that she won't be mad at me. And so that we can just be friends and have each other and have each other's safety and family and pack and company. You know? Yeah. It's it's super sweet. It's mm-hmm. I really love that line. And everybody else too. But that was the the part that hit me. Yeah. Yeah, they'll do anything to get back now, now that they've lived and experienced. <laughs> yeah. Those girlies. Our girls. I just like that. She's like, she'll like that. Aw. I love that she's trying to appease like I'll appease her, whatever. If it keeps the peace, I'll not piss her off. Yeah. It's cute. I feel like they're going to make up. I'll even do my embroidery. (laughs) Oh, hell no. She ain't going that far. She's got different (laughs) kinds of sewing with her needle to do. And I think Sansa's going to be very glad of it as well when the time comes. Yeah, she'd never do her embroideries. I just wanted to say it. Oh, she'll do some embroidering. (laughs) All of her little (laughs) fingers face. Ooh. Got got (laughs) him. Oh, that was Uh, exciting. In the Tower of the Dread... Three dozen northern captives have been taken during the battle on the Green Fork, and most had freedom of the castle as long as they didn't attempt to escape. This is something that Arya, again, learned from the, as it's called, courtyard talk. And Arya knows that they vowed not to escape, but she thinks, but, mm, loophole, they didn't swear not to help me escape. And some were phrase of the crossing, I would not... I don't know if they're going to help you. Anyways, they were ransomed under a peace banner pretty quickly, but no one rescued the Northmen. Foreshadowing. What could it mean? Could Why it did mean? the phrase get out? Why is Roos hanging out? Uh, uh, foreshadowing. Foresh- what does it mean? One, yeah, two, that was three. All. That, that's what I had. Foreshadowing. <laughs> oh my god. Five <laughs> uh, phrases are coming. <coughs> <coughs> Yeah, so there is a little bit of information we get about those that have been captives. One fat lord haunted the kitchens with a bushy mustache, silver and sapphire trident brooch on his coat. Another one is a fierce young bearded man who likes to walk the battlements in a black cloak with white suns, who was captured by the hedge knight, a hedge knight, in battle, who meant to get rich off of him. I love the Karstark one, and like if we didn't have... All this, like, I'd be so interested. There's so much tinfoil now if we didn't have published books. But love that we have the car Stark walking the battlements all, all quietly. Hedge Knight, I know it's probably not, but it makes me wonder, is that Shadrich? It could be a gardening. I don't think it's actually him. There's nothing to point to it being Shadrich, the Hedge Knight, but just the Hedge Knight. I mean, it could be. I, I'm curious. We legit do not know how... How good of a fighter is Shadrach, right? Like, we don't really know that much. Well, and especially he, you know, can hire other people oh, with true. the money he keeps making off people. I'm just, I forgot I'm sure it's hire. not meant. Yeah. Subcontract, <laughs> subcontract. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, it's not right. Um, and this is like pretty much what, like right before uh, Rickard 
I guess he gets released in Storm. It's before Rickard gets killed, because Rickard gets killed in Storm. But yeah, I, I don't think he's actually with Shadridge now. But it could be interesting. Every time I see a hedge knight trying to ransom someone. Like, Anyways, what? I love... What? Right? Willis Manderly, though, is, is me in this chapter. He's just haunting the kitchens. I'm like, that's so me. That's me at the party. <laughs> also, Pat. Like, I'm envisioning Pat in a little Valerian, um, which is similar colors. His little Valerian shirt, like, strumble into the fridge, little cheese getting in his beard. <laughs> Everybody is wireless. I love that. Little cheese snack. Good for little your roommate. Snack. Good for your roommate. I love the these little background characters going on here, right? All these old northern characters that she gets to meet. And it's funny because in a Sansa chapter, we would just hear that it's Harry and Karstark, or we hear mm. Lord Karstark's son. But here, she describes... The heraldry, because she didn't give a shit about heraldry, right? That's not her, like, strong point. That's a Sansa thing. That's a Sansa thing that is a strong point. That's why they need each other. But, yeah, interesting also that the Highborns are prisoners, right? But they're being treated much better because of their status and because of the leverage in the war compared to these lowborn, quote-unquote, people, like Arya, quote-unquote, lowborn. But she's being treated as lowborn, and you see kind of the difference. Like, Willis can just go to the kitchen and get some food. Earlier in this chapter, Arya and Hot Pie tried to share little pies, and they got beat about it. Huh. Yeah. Stands out. I love the call out that they are going to, you know, you know that, like, Sansa knows her heraldry. I'm always just like, our girls are going to team up. Our girls are going to team up. But as that's a great point that, like, Sansa would have just said the name of the character because she would have known who it was. But, mm-hmm. all right, you guys, I finally, I have started a playthrough of Baldur's Gate 3. Shout out to our listener, oh Chlorophoba. And Arya's just failing her history rolls, her history checks. You know? That's what it's like. <laughs> she has a very low stat yeah. in whatever history is. She probably has like a penalty. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, On like it. a disadvantage, definitely. Yeah. Um, it, it just reminds me of our friend Micah, um, who I feel like is Sansa. And this is a revelation that I just had. Like, she, he, Sansa knows all the minor characters. Mm, true, 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 true. <laughs> Interesting. That's great. That's, That's great. Yes. You at home may remember Micah was on during our prologues. He came on for chat. He was our Night's Watch keeper of lore. He is. He is still, right? <laughs> <laughs> so... She does remember Lord Kerwin, though, whose son, Clay, often visited, but he's he's never seen because he's in a tower cell recovering from a wound, and Arya thinks about, oh, she's going to sneak past a guard to go try and see him, and he would be honor-bound to help her get back and maybe even pay Lord Tywin's sellswords to take her to River Run. Great uh, parallels with Bran chapters and Clay Kerwin visiting during Harvest Feast. Yeah, Harvest Feast going on at the same time. That's so true. You know... She's not going to be able to do that, though, and, like, showing yourself to one of these northern guys, right, and just being like, please take me home. No, you're going to kill both of you. Yeah. It's not just you. True. True, true. So, one morning, she spied three silent sisters loading a corpse into the wagon, and her dreams were dashed anyways, because that's Lord Kerwin, and she thinks he could never have helped you anyway, as the sisters drove the wagon through the gate. He couldn't even help himself, you stupid mouse. Poor Arya. But back to scrubbing she goes. She had heard Tywin would leave soon, and of course, more gossip follows. Where he's going, no one knows, south to Highgarden or to King's Landing to defend it from Stannis. Gregor and Vargo are going to battle Roos and remove the dagger from his back, she hears. What could that mean? Foreshadowing. Um, 
Ravens had flown to the Eyrie to wed Liza and win the veil. Silver was bought to make magic swords to slay the Starkborgs. He was trying to make peace with Lady Stark. The Kingslayer would be freed soon. So I just immediately want to know more about those magic swords. A lot of politics there, but I immediately zoned on the swords, which is kind of my brand. But like, these swords can kill works? Like, just more laying of magic in an Arya chapter, which I love. Like, little little hints, little tidbits. Yeah. Yeah, especially because the language is like almost like it could be Nisa Nisa style with a sword. Uh-huh. Like an Azora High's beautiful Lightbringer. Like, it's the anti-Lightbringer, you know? Yeah. And Dark Bringer? about that. Ooh, I wonder Ooh, if Euron could make one. Like how they have dark sabers yeah. now. I hope that's not a spoiler. Ooh, yeah, we have dark sabers. <laughs> I mean, what if it was? I mean, they it, they could probably use it to kill Euron. The opposite. Ooh. Um, couple other thoughts though. Like that, it's probably real. I'm struggling to remember, but maybe there's something in the world of ice and fire about it when it comes to like way in the past when the Boltons and the Starks fought, for example. Um. And it reminds me of, you know, Valyrian steel methodry. We don't know what it is, but we're pretty sure it's blood sacrifice and dragon flame, right? That's like, that's kind of the leading, you know, Valyrian steel swords are now really hard to get. You know what else isn't in the world anymore? Dragons. Um, mm-hmm. Feels like it, it relates. Hmm. And it is Halloween season. So coming back to something Eliana almost mentioned earlier. I mean, you're in a castle with bats plastered all over it. Werewolves versus vampires. Yes, it's Twilight. That's literally oh. like Tywin is looking. Well, basically, yes, yes, Loka. Um, <laughs> Tywin is out here like, are you Loka? Where you been? Um, Tywin's out here trying to vampire style get his silver magic sword to kill a werewolf, and in this castle, Harrenhal, a place of magic where many are said to have practiced witchcraft, as we mm. talked about in the beginning, and. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, makes me think of Brandon Snow's anti-dragon arrow, right? His weirwood yeah. arrow, oh. his bow and arrow, or Oberyn's poisoned spear, or shadow binding uh, happens in this book, right, with uh, shadow babies. So, mm-hmm. I don't know. Lots to think about, that there could probably be a weapon. Maybe Tywin's looking for it, maybe not, but I, I think it falls more in line with the rumor, but he could be. He could be making it. Dun, dun, dun. And then he does. <laughs> Hysterically, too. Funniest shit in the world, literally. Shit. <laughs> Tywin spends most of his days in the War Council, behind closed doors, and Arya would catch glimpses of him from afar, and often in the covered gallery. His hands are locked on the pommel of his longsword. They said Lord Tywin loved gold most of all. He even shit gold. She heard one squire jest. The Lannister Lord was strong-looking for an old man, with a stiff golden whiskers and a bald head. There was something in his face that reminded Arya of her own father, even though they looked nothing alike. He has a lord's face. That's all, she told herself. How old is Tywin? Um, 50? 50? 45? 50? 240, 240, yeah. He's not even that old. It's like 55. He's zaddy. Yeah. If he wasn't such a fucking horrible person, I'd probably... Ah, that wasn't stop me. I don't me, know the the, the fantasy flight the the images of him on those like fantasy flight or whatever called playing cards. Those mm. mu- usually I'm not like mut- but I'm like the mutt chops work for him on those. You know, he's the only oh, man God. they work for. Absolutely, I'm worried about you. <laughs> he has a very commanding presence. Arya herself just said so. You read it. You're the one that just read that out loud, Mallory. Maybe you okay, think I so did too. Say, I did say Jacken was hot. and We agreed he was yeah. gross. Like, okay, so. 
Different it, things can be hot. Maybe just maybe just like mutton chops, Eliana. Oh, don't think I do. But awakening. They just illustrated him in a very. Chloe agrees. You want to know? Commanding. And you should know this. A Grand secret Zaddy. about art is you can make anybody hot in art. Yeah. Yeah. And you know this as an artiste. Like, that's the secret. You can even make a battle droid hot. That's true. Rule mm-hmm. Rule 34. Um, Definitely. Strong looking for an old man. I don't understand what's wrong with this. <laughs> Anyways. I won't be shamed on my own podcast. <laughs> I love you. Sexiness is a spectrum. He's on it, unfortunately. I can't choose that. Okay? (laughs) I don't get to choose these things. Arya remembers her father's lord face, and that once her mother had told him to put it on to deal with some matter. And uh, Ned Ned laughed at that, but Arya cannot imagine Tywin laughing. And I think, yeah, Tywin just doesn't laugh because he's like, wow, my dad used to laugh a lot, so I'm never going to laugh now. (laughs) That's his trauma. (laughs) I'm not even joking. I'm being serious. Yeah. I know. It makes it's perfect sense. Yeah. Uh, they say that our daddy issues are bad. Like, okay. Yeah. Well, They're high level. I mean. I ain't laughing because Paul laughed. One afternoon, Lannister men return and she spies a manticore on a shield. She knows this one, Amory Lorch. He has fewer men than before and she hopes their wounds fester and that they all die. But at the back of the column, she sees very familiar faces. Three of them. Rorge, Biter, and Jackin. Arya hears all the women admiring Jackin and thinks, I should have let the fire get them. They don't seem to recognize or care about her as they ride by, and it's business as usual. Wait, so so it's confirmed what Mallory was asking. All yeah. of these people in universe, they all agree Jackin is hot in this form. He might not See, be as paid. To be fair, I yes. mean, people in hell want ice water. That's also true. <laughs> I don't know. There's there, there's like a lot. I don't know. There's a lot of people. I guess there. You know. It's also trays. nice to get a sexy one on your side. You know, like yeah. ooh, a hot prisoner. Yeah, we've had only somewhat hot soldiers. I'm sorry, Catelyn Stark. And... Is that you, a hot prisoner? <laughs> no. This is a different. No, we're not talking about that. Anyways, <laughs> I don't have time to talk about that. <laughs> hot prisoner role play. Okay. Um, Arya says her prayer that night. Weiss, Shiond, Dunson, Chiswick, Polliver, Wrath the Sweetling, the Tickler and the Hound, Sir Gregor, Sir Amory, Sir Illin, Sir Marin, King Joffrey, Queen Cersei. Honkshu. Honkshu. Me, 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 so sweepy. <laughs> so weepy, sweepy, sweepy. <gasps> Yeah, the change from last chapter of her prayer, and now you have her this chapter. Her ass has worked the fuck out. She is tired. Last chapter, she was ferocious. She's like, I'm praying so hard to murder these motherfuckers. And today she's like, I'm so very tired. I'm so very tired. Um, I'm finding that interesting with her prayer. Like, it it gets, obviously, it's repeated often. But uh, every time she says it, there's some differences to it. Mm. Interesting. She dreams of wolves running wild through the wood and wakes to a hand clamped over her mouth. God, I wish that were me. Uh, Jacqueline tells a girl. I don't know why I'm this way. The trauma. Jacqueline tells a girl to stay quiet, to keep her mouth closed, and that friends may speak in secret. Okay, gross. Um, He Mm. comments, a boy becomes a girl. And Arya says, I was always a girl. You just didn't see. 
I love this, especially against Sirio's story with the cat, because mm. he just didn't see Jack and saw, you know, etc. Yeah, I mean, he knew, but uh, she's already thinking people just see what they want to see. And it reminds me of Jane, right, too, because people just see what they want to see with Jane. Yeah, in the North. true. I mean, everyone kind of knows, but also everyone's kind of like, oh, are we sure? They don't know. But um, he, he did see that. So he was all like, lovely boy. I'm like, what a strange thing to say. Um, <laughs> lovely boy. But a man sees, he, he says, a man knows. And she remembers how much she hates him. And she tells him to go away or she'll yell for wheeze. But he is here for something else, to pay his debts. Three debts that he owes her. The red god has his due, sweet girl, and only death may pay for life. This girl took three names that were his. This girl must give three in their places. Speak their names, and a man will do the rest. He wants to help me, Arya realized with a rush of hope that made her dizzy. Take me to River Run. It's not far. If we stole some horses, we could... He laid a finger on her lips. Three lives you shall have of me. No more, no less. Three, and we are done. So a girl must ponder. He kissed her hair softly, but not too long. So were you punishing me? I think she's punishing me. I think that's what just <laughs> happened to me. She you was know, like, oh, this is what you get for calling Jack and hot. <laughs> she's the one who brought it up. She's I the one who brought Jack. it up. She was thirsty I first. Was, I was going for... Um, Cockney? The man who played... Borat, Sasha, whatever Sasha it is. Baron Cohen, yeah. yeah. Thank you. In uh, Les Mis. Master of the House. Keep him. Oh, interesting. Okay, okay. okay. Huh. That was inspired. That's, Thank you. Yes, yeah, that was a good blend. That's good all... blend. <laughs> I did my best. Good to think about. Good to think about. Huh. Yeah, the Red God ends up with a lot more lives than just three, but we'll get there. Yeah. Creepy. Very creepy, I must say. All joking about fucking really gross guys aside. Um... Never any gross woman, if that makes you feel any better, though, thankfully. I have some standards. Uh, just gross men. But all that aside, this is very gross. Uh, reminds me a lot of Dantos with Sansa yeah. and the way he treats Sansa. Of course, Arya goes through hell, and in return, she gets a genie that'll kill three people. Sansa just gets Dantos, so that kind of sucks, because, you know, whatever. But uh, also, I feel like Jacken's bending the rules here question mark and i think it comes back when we see him you know go to old town and do a lot of crazy shit it, it kind of lends some credence to what we were saying god what was it like with ara maybe like he is he on his own agenda is he also oh, doing things outside of the faceless men because i don't think that's one of the rules so far we haven't heard this that you're allowed to kill three people if someone saves three lives like that's very that seems on him and I don't know the rules for the higher-ups, but I'm just saying. I don't know if I get it. I don't know if it's, like, a faceless man thing or if it's, like, a bravosi religion thing. Like, a house of black and white, not just, like, faceless men. Because he does say the red god, right? And they... Because it's many face god, and the red god is just one facet. Mm -hmm. So I'm, like... So that's why I'm, like, he doesn't serve the many-faced gods maybe from he, the east. Maybe he does serve the many-faced god, and this is, like, maybe this is a rule specifically amongst... Yeah. The, the R'hllor, like... Well, because he, they, she saved him from being taken by the Red God. So if we do it religiously, like, if you get, die at the hands of the Red God, 
and you're religious of another religion, you probably will feel like your soul won't do what it's supposed to do after death of whatever this God's promised you, question mark? If that makes sense? Honestly, I don't know. The many-faced God kind of can be, like, all of the gods, too. Yeah. Yeah. Like, so, like, if we, like, are like, oh, like, and I also feel like he owes a debt to, I feel like he owes a debt to Arya is the biggest thing, and he, like, sees maybe something in her, or he's like, you could be a killer, little girl. Oh, it might be me reading too much into it, but, like, that is the vibe I always got from this, where he, like, saw her will to survive and everything that she was doing. And it could also just be, like, my wishful thinking that he's got a heart of gold and that skeezy old, this creepiness that we're enduring. But I've been known to be wrong before. <laughs> but, like, also, though, why I say he's, like, going off the book is because Arya gets, like, in trouble. Yeah. For killing when she wasn't told to kill people. So he's killing people of his own accord for her, yeah. which is fine. It's great on a part, but I'm just saying on a faceless level and, you know, a, um, that's a problem, I feel like. Like, he's, that tells me that he's doing it, though. Out, he's not going on their agenda. Like, he's doing things for other reasons, maybe, too. Well, I think what Mallory said is really interesting. The idea that, like, is this, like, a thing because he saw promise in her as, like, mm-hmm. someone who could groom her yeah so is it like a like training grooming her to be like in the cult you know like still being like reference yeah how does she feel about putting hits on people oh is she very comfortable with putting hits on people Hmm. then she's probably going to be comfortable with later on carrying out hits on people interesting spoiler like she gets power and she's like just kill it for me then it's like you know like spoiler alert but Oh, like She's he's their Yorin. Yeah. 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 He's their Yorin. Yeah, exactly. He's like recruiting hmm. in a way. Or like maybe every single one of them are supposed to do that, right? Like, oh, you've seen someone who would be a promising recruit for the Faceless Men and wasn't just like sacrificed here by their dad who was like, I, I don't know, take my fucking daughter. Which is what happens for to the every way. friend you give, yeah. you get a free week of PTO. This is a referral. This is a referral program, spread, y'all. Yeah, no, it is yeah. kind of a cult, though. Like it yeah. literally is a death cult. Literally, when you said cult, that's what I, I've contextualized it. I get it now. Like what you were saying, I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah I get it now, Eliana. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, that's all uh, I needed. But like, yep. anyway, I like that, and I really like what you were comparing. I hadn't thought about that, but yeah, the way it works with Jacket and Dantos, like, and how they get them, because like yeah. they both save their lives, right? And they're both like. I'm gonna help you now. Mm-hmm. But am I? Uh, I'm about to fuck your life up. So he's gone before Arya lights her candle, but his scent remains, which is interesting. And the woman like in the next niche, yeah, PSL, his pumpkin spice scent. Uh, the woman in the next niche complains of the light, and Arya blows it out and closes her eyes, seeing only enemies from her prayer in her dreams. The next morning, she wakes and she thinks Sir Amory Lorch was here and she hated him almost as much as the others in her prayer. Didn't she? She wasn't certain. I do. Uh, uh, yeah, I do or too. More than now that said, there's an interesting part of this line though, right? Like, um, that she questions it. And she was very steadfast in a lot of her opinions on these people in her prayer. And I think it's going to obviously lead a little bit to Sandor and her having the confrontations later on. But... When he returns beaten up with his men, Amory, she almost, like, hesitates to hate him for a moment. Kind of that stutter of, like, vengeance and justice and war in her mind and who deserves to die and who's a dog being commanded by greater men, which is what really leads to the Sandor, right? Right now he's the hound in her prayer when he, quote-unquote, dies. 
the hound dies and he dies off of her prayer, it's almost like she's finally kind of being able to take the shades of what's going on and understand like, okay, everything I've seen the Lannister camp do is horrendous. These Lannister men are bad, but also like understanding systemically what's happening. Yeah. Broken man. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, hashtag broken man. Fuck, Karen Hall would break me. Absolutely. Karen Hall would break. I mean, it's a soul crushing, like this whole fucking thing. It's soul crushing. Yeah. Slowly slap your energy out. Yeah, I mean, I can't imagine doing any of the fucking shit, which we're about to hear some of it that's even worse, but I can't imagine doing any of that. That's also like, true. Would you rent a room in Heron Hall and stay there for a whole night if Heron Hall was an Airbnb? Um, it depends on who owns it at the time. Yeah, it depends on management at the time. Okay, current timeline. Right now it's under Tywin. No. Aria. Okay. No, that place is du- disgusting. They People are probably leaving terrible reviews. Under Lady West, I would I would have come. Went okay. Yeah, under Danelle Lawson, yeah. Lady went. Alice Rivers, no, maybe not. Uh, that was a rough time too. Like not mm-hmm. on her though, like on Aemond. Yeah, I'm trying to think of like when it would have been. I don't know. Maybe during like right before the Great Council, it was good enough for the king and all those high lords and ladies. It's probably good enough for me to visit. <laughs> Not that I'm very logical nobility, but I'm like, it was probably a good hotel if it was good enough for the Great Council of 101. I think you'll appreciate, like, me, who's very into Heron Hall right now. I'm very deep within it. I'm really into the lore right now, everyone, because I'm reading about it very deeply. And I'm like, "Mm, it really sucks because there's a really specific time of every single owner of Heron Hall that you don't want to be there. And that's at the end, almost every time. Like, the Haraways sounds really fun until Magor is like, fuck the Haraways. And then, like, <laughs> Towers, they they rule for three generations and die the fuck out. So they, they're pretty peaceful. The Towers might have been a peaceful era. Maybe then. Hmm. They have, like, a boy lord at one point, and he's just chilling. And then he dies sickly ten years later, so. Oh, big sad. Weeze, of course, is always there and is always an asshole to her. The next day, she's pretty fucking tired. Again, and we threatens to pull out her tongue. Why? Why, sir? And feed it to his dog when he keep when she keeps yawning. He twists her ear and tells her to get back to cleaning. And she goes to scrub more steps. And she thinks about the people she wants dead and pretends that their faces are in the stone as she scrubs. I feel like that's a good way to dissociate and just get some cleaning done. Take out your rage, like like how you bash the ice in the ice machine when you're filling up the oh ice gosh. bucket. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I love that. Get the the stress out. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We have a quote. The Starks were at war with the Lannisters, and she was a Stark, so she should kill as many Lannisters as she could. That was what you did in wars, but she didn't think she could trust Jacken. I should kill them myself. Whenever her father condemned a man to death, he did the deed himself with ice, his greatsword. If you could take a man's life, you owe it to him to look him in the face and hear his last words, she'd heard him tell Rob and John. Once in the first book, off the page, and now she knows it. That wasn't in the book. That part I added. <laughs> Do you guys feel like this is foreshadowing for when or if um, it, we're gonna have the girls teaming up? I, I mean, like, I feel like it's pretty obviously a reference to Arya swinging the sword after the sentence is passed. I think it'll definitely be one specific sword swinging for her. For sure. Ah, yes. I, I'm more of the um the one and done for Arya on that part of the justice. 
Because I think yeah. by the time she gets home to Winterfell, killing isn't is hopefully going to be not her favorite hobby anymore. I think it would be time for her to expand her hobbies and maybe branch out and become more rounded. Um, right. You know, maybe because the trauma and how it affects you personally and mentally, et cetera, et cetera. But she's got to kill Littlefinger. I mean, there's just yeah. no, there's no ifs, ands, or buts. It's Sansa and Arya all the way. I don't. Yeah, I feel like that's the big one. Exactly. That's the one that specifically I feel like it's just like, this is the sisterhood bond again since she's thinking about Sansa a lot in this chapter. That's just why it kind of mm. came to my brain at this point. Especially because Sansa doesn't get that speech, right? Mm-hmm. Like Arya's there because she follows the boys around all the time and mm-hmm. she gets a little tiny bit of the boys' lessons and once in a while, especially because she does a lot of the same hobbies as them and prefers to do those things with them, the things that her father's knowledgeable about, sometimes she gets to steal some of these little nuggets of wisdom, like how she got the talk in King's Landing and Sansa didn't really get a real, real talk on page with him about the things going on. So to me, it's like, it's interesting because that's why she has to be there for Sansa and that way Sansa can get that knowledge as well in a way, right? Like Sansa can be the justice part of it and Arya can be the needle part of it. Right. Yeah. Very nice. I mean, like you said, it's her It's her current hobby. And, you know, at the very least, she does, she is very much willing to uh, do the deed herself for all these people that she is condemned to kill. She's got that part down. <laughs> uh, she avoids Jockin for the next few days as she ponders, but also she's like, that was a little awkward, right? Um, Gregor Clegane returns earlier than expected, bringing goats instead of prisoners. He lost men in the raids, she heard, but everyone else came back unscathed, taking residence in the Wailing Tower, where she is commanded by Reese to go ask them about some clothing. No one pays her any attention when she enters, and Chiswick is by the fire, telling a funny story about traveling after the hands tourney back west. Gregor, Raph, and Joss still would. The story actually really sucks. Yeah, it's not funny at all. It's really <laughs> terrible. It's a horrible story. Yeah, it's um, a horrible story full of sexual violence, right? It entails them coming upon a river and an alehouse. When they needed to cross the river and ford it, they started to, you know, regroup, stay in for the night, get drunk. They patron the alehouse, and I'm using patron in the least use of the word because they are not going to pay much here. Uh, thin ale, they are getting poured thin ale from them, and... You know, the in guy is just a guy. He's just a nice guy who's local, and he's just trying to talk, and he won't stop talking, and Gregor doesn't really like that because, of course, he just came from the tourney where he was embarrassed and lost. And finally, Chiswick tells them the punchlines. And by punchlines, I mean the horrible graphic sexual violence that the men are sexually harassing and assaulting the 13-year-old daughter of the innkeep guy, the alehouse guy, trying to get the young squire Stillwood to make himself a man in her. Uh, Her father protests... Gregor hates that, so Gregor throws money at the man and rapes his daughter in front of him. The brewing boy hears the noise and comes up, possibly the girl's brother. They throw a dirt into his stomach to keep him quiet, and Chiswick tells them uh, that all of them took the girl. At the end, Gregor asked for change to his silver, saying she wasn't worth a silver, and the father took the fistful of pennies and thanked him for the custom. So that's the kind of man that Gregor Clegane is, and the kind of man that he keeps around. Yeah. Disgusting. It's bad. It's it's the worst. And then you kind of come to realize, like, oh, 
this is standardized practice then maybe amongst the Lannister camp. Like, I think this is like the kind of thing that isn't, you know, just what the soldiers down there are doing. I think this like kind of behavior flows from the top because this is literally like exactly mm -hmm. pretty much how Tywin had the camp treat Taisha. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Crazy when you think Rhaegar is the one who knighted Gregor and that Eris probably is also very similar as we know. In war, he probably would have treated his prisoners this way. Ares? Gross. Yeah. yeah, I mean, unless they were lucky and they were burnt first and said. Yeah, I mean, he treated his wife this way, so. Yeah, yeah. Let alone his prisoners. That's what I'm just saying. If you're lucky, you were burned. <laughs> um, yeah. Ugh. Yeah. The men, the men are terrible. They're horrible. <laughs> Holy shit. It's pretty shitty. And there's probably much more of this going on now since it's uh, wartime. And the men all laugh and Arya watches from the shadows, wordless. Leaving to come back to the kitchens where Weez confronts her for forgetting her task and bringing the clothing. And he yanks her clothing down and beats her with a cane until the blood runs down her thighs. And Arya just endures it. She thinks of Sirio's teachings and to barely feel it. And I think that, I don't know, that idea and imagery kind of just stood out to me. Like Arya not fighting back. Like what's she going to do against Weez? But also not fighting the caning, enduring the caning when you juxtapose it with the lingering image of the brewer's daughter, right? Chiswick says that she was fighting before, but she was no longer fighting by the time that Chiswick gets to her. Yeah. Now I know why that hit me so hard. Thank you, Eliana. Yeah. It was, uh, and it's not yeah. far, um, it's not far from the Sansa in court chapter either. Mm, true. Mm. And there's a focus in that chapter on, like, the thighs, on the sword, the blunted sword on her thigh. Yeah, and... I mean, like, that's an aspect of, right, like, the gender-based violence, especially during a war. Not only is it the brutalization of women's bodies, like, we hear Joffrey does it to take it out, take out on Sansa when he feels that they have failed against Rob's camp, right? Part of it is, mm -hmm. and he does it to kind of, like, humiliate this brewer's father as well, right? You brutalize the women and the girls' bodies as a way of getting back at the men, because that's your property that you are unable to protect, and it's not just the like embarrassing him; it's also they're embarrassing their squire. Yeah. Because he's a virgin, they were embarrassing oh, right, him that, that he's not enough of a man, so he should rape the girl. Yeah. So it, it's also a show of masculinity in all dimensions there. Yeah, like Tyrion. disgusting layers. Yeah, yeah, it is. It's literally an echo of the Taisha, though. You're correct on that, Eliana. Two nights later, she's sent to serve in Barracks Hall. She sees, oh, that's so funny. I never realized that the word barracks sounds like barracks. Oh, like barracks Dondarians. Holy shit. So Tywin has to walk in there all the fucking time and think about how barrack <laughs> dog Darian is dogging him. Yeah, um, that's kind of funny. He's like amazing. in the barracks hall. Barrack? <sighs> Two nights later, she's sent to serve in barracks hall and she sees Jacken at a trencher. She makes sure Weiss isn't in sight. She fills the wine cups down the bench and working her way toward Jacqueline and Rorge. Rorge ignores her and she whispers as she passes into Jacqueline's ear, Chiswick. So we end the chapter. Mallory, play us out. Do, 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 do,
Oh, you wanted me to literally read yes. it. Okay. <laughs> but I was like, this is cool, <laughs> no. too. Now you, now you have music. Now you have music for it, Eliana. Yeah. Nothing the, happened the next that. day. <laughs> Nothing happened the next day, nor the day after. But on the third day, Arya went to the kitchens with Weiss to fetch their dinner. One of the mountains men fell off a wall walk last night and broke his fool neck, she heard Reese tell a cook. Drunk? Thoman asked. No mores than usual. It was Heron's ghost flung him down. He snorted to show what he thought of such notions. It wasn't Heron. Arya wanted to say, it was me. She had killed Chiswick with a whisper, and she would kill two more before she was through. I'm the ghost in Heron Hall, she thought. And that night, there was one less name to hate. Mm. <laughs> Get me. What an ending. I'm the ghost now. She's the ghost in Heron Hall. <laughs> it really Yay. makes me wish that, like, it makes me, like, hope. I don't know how much I care about it, but it makes me wish Theon Durden is real. I don't know. I think that, like, yeah. is the only way to give it. And I guess it would make sense if it's um Harwin. But as we've talked about before, that it could be Harwin sent back doing it. But I just, it's so cool because it's such a nice little connection that we have a ghost in Winterfell now doing the same thing. If only it yeah. was Arya, but we know she's not there. Yeah, I mean, like, they both got the whole, like, different names thing going on. Struggling to remember their names, too. Mm. Yeah. Huh. Hmm. What do you think, Mallory, about I was, this closing? That's what I, was, that's what I was leading towards with my thoughts as well, so I'm on the same page here. Yeah. Definitely. She's like, ooh, I can do things. And I kind of alluded to this earlier when we were speaking. She's just like, well... It's time now. It's time to get back all of these losses that she's endured because she's lost so much since King's Landing um, and not even to mention going back home. Like, she's lost a lot. So I know she's had other small moments, but this one feels like it's leading up to her other mentors because Arya just kind of goes and collects mentors. Like, I know the Hound is coming and I know Chloe is very, very excited for that. Ow! Ow! Absolutely. <laughs> so it's kind of like... um okay, this is a good path for me now, and I'm going to continue down this road. And it might get a little gory, but I'm a wolf. Wolf, wolf. Wolf. Yeah. Ow, bitch. Yeah. It's like, it's a little empowering, finally, too, that, like, she's stuck there, and she's a mouse. All she can do is be a mouse. She can't leave. All she can do is live in this cavernous fucking haunted castle. But yet, she can still do something. She's not powerless, after all. Absolutely. Yeah, vigilante justice, I guess, in a way, right? Mm-hmm. I love, the, I mean, her first kill, right? We were talking about what chapter to have you on for, and I put this one out, because I'm like, I think her first kill, quote-unquote, in this way. What about the um, stable boy? You know what? We're past him. That was last book. <laughs> but no, I mean, her first uh, more conscious kill, yeah. right, is yeah. an interesting- stable boy. Yeah, Stable Boy was like, oops, all berries, except by berries, I mean blood, and it's coming out of you. Bye. Uh, he was an accident, but a defense accident. This was her first actual choice, right? She had to choose. And I guess when you think about genies and you think about wishes, getting three wishes, I mean, what's the first thing you say when someone's like, if you had wishes, what would you wish for? I wish for more wishes. Um... You know, like, that's the first thing on the mind. Like, of course, it's a bulletproof system. Just wish for more. Yeah. Uh, but you also think of what are the greatest things you would do with them, right? Like, cure hunger or be rich forever or whatever. Like, all these big things. So it's the same for Arya, right? Like, 
when she's told she has three wishes, who do you think she wants to use them on? She wants to use them on Tywin, probably. Joffrey. Like, all these big, like, what if we killed the political assholes? But the story we get about the mountain and his men shows that it, it doesn't solve it, stop it, change the system from how it happens. There's always going to be a Tywin at the top, if there's a top. With would killing Tywin or Joffrey actually change the disparity and injustices happening throughout Westeros right now? Won't monstrous men just rise up to take the space that's left over in the power vacuum? Killing three people that are huge leaders won't just fix those problems, and Arya might have big dreams of knocking out big people, but she ends up having to use these to protect herself in the moment, to make life, you know, to survive, to make life worth living for a little bit longer so she can get herself out and using it to stop the people directly hurting her and the prisoners of Harrenhal, which arguably, you know, you think about, I don't know, think of the CEO structure, right? You got a CEO at the very top making a bajillion dollars. You have all the little worker bees in a pyramid below him doing stuff to get it there. And it's like, there's often going to be a CEO. Unfortunately, many of the CEOs, some might be great. Often, they're just replaceable. There's just another guy. Tywin allows his camp to be absolutely horrendous and awful. But as long as there's war, there's always going to be violence against people. So Arya does what she can to protect the people around her in a more direct way, in a... It's a little bit of a juvenile way, because, I mean, also, I don't think that's how those wishes work. I mean, she she does regret using them on the people she does. She's like, dang, I should have been thinking bigger. And, and I don't, as you said, right, killing Tywin or Joffrey won't necessarily change the whole system. But I think at the very least, if Tywin were dead, Rob would, might have had a better chance of still being alive. Yeah. That's true. And I mean, I think it, to some extent for little girl Arya, maybe that's all, that's like fucking enough. That's all that maybe matters. Like her brother and mother would be alive. And yeah, I think that would be enough for her considering that here, you know, for a while she was like, Chiswick, that was enough for me. But it was like something that had actual, co- like an actual cause and effect that she got to see in that moment. And she got to feel justice in that moment. And yeah, like, how old is she right here? Like, 11? Younger. Like, yeah, 9 or nine, 10. 10. 9. Yeah, so she's little baby girl. Like, of course she's gonna look back at that and be like, what a golden ticket, <laughs> yeah. you know? Like, I wasted on this fuck Cheswick. But, like, she did what she could in that moment. Yeah. Like Chloe kind of said, you know, like... It's like time travel, right? Like, knowing what you know, of course you'd fucking go back and tell yourself. But, like, yeah. that's yeah. not how fucking life works. I mean, you know? <laughs> kids aren't kids aren't known for their strategic long term thinking. It's not a it's not a thing that I credit most nine year olds with or ten year olds. And I think we see that in I mean we see that in Brand's chapters. We see that in Arya's. We see that in Sansa's when she's like, I don't want to fucking go home to Winterfell. Let me tell the queen. And I think that's that's something that's actually a strength of you know Arya's chapters. That was a fucking mistake. The names you chose those were actually like you know not strategic, but. They make sense for a child and how, how a child would see the world. The chil- children want that instant gratification. I'm like, you stopped at 10, 11-year-olds. I'm like, I don't know. I know some 30-year-olds, 40-year-olds, 50-year-olds that could do with Valid. some permanence there. Valid. Yeah. But um, <clears throat> if you think it's about you, maybe it is. Mm-hmm. Oh, interesting. Mm-hmm. I actually am not thinking of anyone specific right this moment. Yeah, though, I so. have actually no <laughs> idea what, what we're referencing right now, but I just I want to support you. Oh my god, <laughs> half the podcast. 
Uh. Okay, so now that we've gone through the chapter, Mallory, why did you pick this one? I wanted this one because I like Skeezy Jack and the Murder Genie. And I like that this is her first, ooh, maybe this is what I do now. Like, <laughs> it's not necessarily the real shift, but I feel like it's setting up things. And um, also, I like seeing that jerk get his got. Also, yeah. it's at Harrenhal. Love Harrenhal. Spooky vibes. And, like, like witchy mystery background to also cool kind of low fantasy is, like, vibes. And that's yeah. what I wanted to bring, you know, like... That's you. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's you, IRL. Yeah. Vibes. Vibes. The witchy vibes. With like a little bat emoji and the little stars. That's it. No mm-hmm. words. Just bat As emoji. Mallory is like, if you could all see her right now, which you can check her out on Twitch, as we've said, and you can see this room, but she's sitting against, you know, Ivy with lights all in it. And like, is it wisteria? Fake wisteria think- hanging around? I don't yes. know what it is, but I love it. Mm-hmm. I thought it was wisteria too. Witchy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's wisteria. Very witchy. It's Very witchy. Yes. And I did want to mention, we did talk about how hot Jacken was and how he smelled like ginger and cloves. And, you know, like there's there's uh, protection spells that use ginger and cloves and cinnamon and nutmeg, which is also pumpkin pie spice, which is also apple pie spice. So hashtag conspiracy, hashtag witchcraft, hashtag PSL. Sounds good right now, too. I'm ready for that. I'm ready for some pumpkin and some apple spice right now. It's PSL season now. now. Let's go. Yeah, where I am, I guess, but... (laughs) (laughs) Um, Uh, Out in the reach. Out in the reach. I'm technically... Where's the corn, Chloe? Did we ever decide? Oh, I think where you are has got to be the neck, like, between the Riverlands and the north. You're kind of the neckish. Mm-hmm. Gross. Awesome. I would say that like Michigan, Mackinac Bridge is the wall. Right there is where the wall starts and it extends mm-hmm. out. Got ya. That's my thought. That's important. Mm-hmm. I'm biased. I lived there once. So once for many years. Ugh. Mallory, thank you for joining us to talk about Arya. Can you give everyone a quick rundown of, you know, like where to where to find you on your socials? Well obviously link below. Your link tree. Pretty much at Sanrixian on everything. We also have a groups at Sanry Scribbles on Blue Sky, which uh, we're having a lot of fun with. Everybody has to log in. Good luck figuring out which of us is posting which, because we're all three the derby head of the dragon on the meme. We're also on twitch.tv slash Sanrixian. We stream regularly on Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Eastern and Sundays at 7 p.m. Eastern. Right now, we're on a technological pause because uh, Mama's computer be acting up. But you can regularly find us there. We also have a bump in Discord and a patron, patreon.com slash Sanrixian. And there is an invite to the Discord. You can also just DM me. And I just want to say I had the best time with you ladies tonight. It has been a dream, a moment to be on this podcast with you guys. Like with, I know I got a preview. I got a little tease with um, Chloe when we did Hot D Unleashed, Unleash the D. Uh, but... <laughs> Gonna have a connection. It's great to have you both here. Um, hot D Unchained. Oh my hot god! Free. <laughs> free hot D. I swear to god. I did that on purpose, I'm sorry. <laughs> great, new meme just dropped. It's Eliana making fun of me. Could you guess? Could you guess? Half the memes are me making fun of you, half of them are you making fun of me. But Yeah. Five. That's what siblings are about though, right? Yeah. According to Mallory. Yes. According to Mallory. 
yeah, you have to fight in order to grow together. Well, once we get you all set up and back to streaming, I can't wait to watch Eliana's episode of Sandry Scribbles. Uh, I will be tuning in. You all should, too. Thank you again, Mallory, for giving us your time today. Yeah, thank Thank you. Thank you, guys. It's been great. Yeah, I'm excited to I'm excited to join and as Chloe said, thanks for coming. It's been a it's been a long time coming. I haven't, haven't chatted in a while or spoken with our people voices. Just memes. Yeah. We send each other memes to make sure we're okay. <laughs> Capybaras. <laughs> yep. Mm-hmm. Bow, 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 bow. So Eliana, can you tell them where to find us on social media as well? Yeah, you can find us. I mean, we're, we're still there. We're still there on Twitter, I guess. Dot com slash girls gone canon. That's C-A-N-O-N. And you can also find us on Blue Sky at, uh, again, the address is too long. I, I will not just search girls gone canon on Blue Sky. And of course, you can send us some messages on those platforms or via email at girls gone canon at gmail.com you will notice we did not have any emails or tweets of note this week and it's because none of you sent us any emails so not to guilt you all but maybe just a little cause effect cause effect and a big shout out to our patrons i know we gave a shout out to our Zorse patrons earlier some of our exclusive patrons who are crazy i don't know why they support us like this thank you but Our other patrons also support us, and they are wonderful. I also don't know why they do either, glossing over that. If you want to be a patron, you can head over to our patreon.com slash girlsgonecanon. And our patrons here that sponsor every single episode and keep them ad-free are going to tell you where to find us online. You can catch Girls Gone Canon on any of the following streamers. On Podbean, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Acast, Spotify, Overcast, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Audible, and Amazon Podcasts. You can also join us on Patreon, where if you join the Thunder tier above, you have access to a Discord and monthly happy hours and things like that. And by joining the Discord, you get access to a bunch of great channels, including but not limited to memes and shitposting channel, Fashion Hour, There are multiple channels for historic materials, A Song of Ice and Fire. There's a Pets channel, which I think is probably the most important channel of all. Respectful Thirsting, because there's a channel for that. Come by, join the community. It's a lot of fun, and you won't regret it. Thank you again, Mallory. I am so glad this episode occurred, and I am going to get my three wishes on out of here. Oh. I have been one of your hosts, Chloe. No, I've been another one of your hosts, Eliana. Are each of us one of the hits, um, the the wishes? Oh my god, well, here's my third wish. Here she comes. And thank you again (laughs) to our third other other host this week, Sanrixian. Thank you guys for having me. I'm Sanrixian, and I was super psyched to be here this week talking about Aria. Love y'all. You gave us some great ideas for for our musical as well. Oh yeah, the musical's gonna be so lit. A lot of good inspiration. I'm so hyped. If you need help... Oh, we'll be stuff. we'll be saving every clip used, every song used today. I cannot write every music. part of the animal. I'm just imagining. So Chloe, I did it. I watched theater camp. It's me streaming, and that's how we write the songs. We'll see you next week, guys. Goodbye. <laughs>